and you could see the oppression, the residue of, of that oppression still in their lives. But when you met the church, when you met the true believers who found their freedom in Jesus, it really didn't matter which government system they were under. Because true freedom comes in knowing him. In our message this morning, that's the title of our message, Embracing Your Freedom, because Paul is speaking to a, a church that is very, relatively young in the Lord, and they are encountering some false teachings, false teachings that wanted to capture them and bring them back to a place of bondage. And we're going to view those this morning. But before we do, there's a, um, there's a word that is used as he enters into this next message, and it's the word, therefore. And that word, word, therefore, is a very important word. It's a transitional word. It reminds us, it, uh, it speaks to us and says, listen, it's important that you remember and understand what you just read. Because what's, what you're about to read is really predicated upon the foundation of what's been said before. So first, before we move into the message this morning, I want to take a look back at what we've heard over the last three weeks. Um, the messages that we've heard and what they said about Jesus Christ. And I put some slides on the board that we're going to be looking at each verse. And pay attention to the highlighted words. I think they're, yeah, there they are in the yellow. Uh, that's being said. And the first one's in verse, in chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says this, that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden. And listen to this, that word all, that's a really a good word. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How much does Jesus have? All. Everything. It belongs to him. All wisdom, all knowledge is in Jesus Christ. He moves on to verse 4. And I tell you this so that no one may deceive you from fine-sounding arguments. Uh, we face people that sometimes that are smarter than us. But they are not smarter than Jesus. And we have him to access in our conversations with people. Verse 5. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit. And delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is on Christ. Paul was concerned about one thing with the church at Colossae. He was concerned about their faith in Christ. Not faith in other things plus Christ, but faith in Jesus Christ alone. And why? Verse 6, so that you may receive, just so that you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him. Nobody else but him. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies. In church, there are a lot of those out there today, as there were in Paul's day, which depends on human tradition and human, element, uh, human elementary spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Verse 9, for in Christ, in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. All the godly traits are in him because he is God. In the, and he came in the flesh. Verse 10, in him you have been brought to fullness. See, only Jesus can bring us to fullness. Why? Because all the fullness of deity resides in him. Fullness produces fullness. We will only have it in Jesus Christ. Also in verse 10, he is the head over every power and authority, including the spiritual ones that we are doing battle with today, as, we, as was prophesied to us earlier. There are spiritual elements that we don't see, but he does, but he is head over all of those. And he has authority over all those powers. And however they try to affect us, they have to go through Jesus first. 
and in the battle we have him both in prayer and life to walk in his strength and power. Verse 11, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. It's a circumcision of the heart from our selfish fleshly lives that has been, that has been, that has been progressively cut away by Jesus Christ. Verse 12, we are raised to new life through him. Verse 13, excuse me, it goes together. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive in Christ. Verse 14, this is how he did it. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He owed a debt to sin. Penalty is death. And how did he do it? By nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing, triumphing, triumphing. There's certain words, I had a speech pediment as a kid, and there's certain words that I have real challenges with. This is one of them. Having victory, let's use that, over them by the cross, by the cross, by the cross. Do you see any other name attached to these verses other than Jesus? In church, why would we look for anything else but him? That's the message to the Galatians. And that is the message to us this morning. Unfortunately, the Galatians were still having difficulties moving away from the old teachings that they lived in before they met Christ. And they're now being persuaded by these false teachers. And Paul addresses three of those issues in this, in this, verse, in these, uh, in this message this morning. So there are three false teachers that are still prevalent today at times, and we have to look out for those. But take in mind anything else out there that would direct us away from Jesus or Jesus plus you need something else in your life. Pay attention to that now and what was taking place in the past. The first freedom that he calls us to is the freedom from legalism. Freedom from legalism. And Pastor Chuck spoke deeply about that last week, several great points, hold on to those. The main proponent of legalism back in Paul's day was a group called the Judaizers. They were Jewish people who lived, who believed in the Messiah. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but they believed in other things as well. And what they believed in was legalism. Let's take the term and look at it from their perspective. They were saying that true spirituality is achieved by the ability to keep the moral and ceremonial laws of the Jews. It was faith in Jesus plus the law. So Jesus plus the law. Legalism. You can follow Jesus, but you have to follow these rules as well. And this is what Paul said about that in, Gal in Colossians 2, verses 16 through 17. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat, drink, or with regards to religious festivals, a new moon celebration, or the Sabbath. These are all part of the old law. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. In reality, however, and get this, George, this is the key message here. The reality is Jesus Christ. The word do not let anyone judge you is a powerful word. In fact, it's a command from the, from the Greek language that says, stop allowing this to happen. So Paul is saying in, in the most strongest terms he can, don't let anyone stop allowing this to happen. Judge you. That word judge means to distinguish or separate between right and wrong. 
So these false teachers were passing judgment on the believers at Colossae about whether they were truly spiritual or not. But the problem was is the criteria they were using. It wasn't measuring them to Jesus. It was measuring them to the law of the Old Testament. This was the same law that Jesus had abolished with his, with his atoning death on the cross. This is the same law that neither they, the Judaizers, or the Christians, new believers, could follow. They couldn't live up to it. So why are they trying to tell them to do that extra? These things were all external. They were on the outside. They couldn't change anything on the inside. They couldn't transform them. And these things will not make you spiritual, church, no matter how much you try to attach to your life that looks spiritual. They can only make you religious. Paul tells us why they can't make us spiritual. They were just a shadow of things to come. The reality is found in Jesus Christ. A shadow is only an image cast by an object in which represents its form. We know what that's like. We're walking down the street, sun shining. We look over at the wall next to us and we see our shadow, don't we? It's kind of following us, usually behind us. But it's just a representation of our form. That's all it is. Now, wouldn't it be strange if somebody met you on the street that knows you and they run up to you and they say, hey, it's great to see you. I'm so happy. And they're talking to the shadow on the wall. And they're slapping hands with the shadow on the wall. And they're talking about, hey, well, how's the family? How's work going? And they're just having a conversation with the shadow on the wall. That would be really weird, wouldn't it? Because you're standing there going, hey, I'm right here. But that's what these guys were doing. They were holding on to the shadow. It was just a shadow. They all pointed to Jesus. All those festivals, all those activities, all the ceremonial, and the, and, 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 but the law still stands, but it's also found in Jesus. It's completed in Jesus Christ. Once we have the real thing, once we have Jesus, we no longer need the shadow, church. We don't need Jesus plus the shadow. We just need him. Don't, any, don't let anyone uh, judge your relationship with Jesus or tell you you must do this or do that to be spiritual. We know what that's like. There's churches out there that say Jesus is okay, but you need to be a part of our church. If you're not a member of our church, you're not really there. You got people saying you got to be baptized. There's churches out there that say that. There's churches out there that's, that try to put all kinds of religious ex, uh, extensional existential, uh, external, excuse me, uh, focuses on following Jesus other than him. Make sure you don't do that. Had a good friend that met, met the Lord, and in his first few weeks of, of, be, of being a believer, he was at church, and a man came up to him and said, listen, I heard you just gave your life to Christ. And he said, yeah, I did. He said, listen, you've got to start doing these things if you really want to walk with Jesus. He says, you've got to read a chapter from the Old Testament, and then you've got to read a, a chapter from the Psalms and a chapter from Proverbs because it gives you wisdom. Then you need to read a chapter from the Gospels and a chapter from the, uh, from the letters. Five chapters. Guy's a brand new believer. Hasn't even, doesn't even know where to look for books in the Bible yet. And not only that, but you need to memorize Scripture because you need to get the Word of God in your heart. He says, I memorize ten a week, but five will probably do for you right now. He says, okay. And he says, then you've got to spend at least 20 minutes meditating on the Word of God. So you really get it deep into your spirit. These are all good things, by the way. This guy's a brand new believer. Been a Christian six weeks, I mean two weeks. 
And then besides that, she needed to pray, pray for two hours. And he's thinking to himself, I don't talk to anybody for two hours. You know, how am I going to talk to I'm just getting to know God, and I'm supposed to spend two hours talking to him? So he tried to do this. You know, he tried to work it out. He lasted about six days. And he's really frustrated, feeling confused, feeling guilty because he's not reading all the chapters, not spending two hours a day. Goes to his youth pastor. Youth pastor says, how's your new life in Christ doing? He says, it's really challenging. He says, well, what's challenging? He says, I can't do all the things that I've been told to do. And he says, well, what have you been told to do? So he laid it out for him. He said, who told you to do that? He said, well, this man in the church, he said, I know who the guy is. He's a good guy. He's well, he, he intends well, but he just has this kind of a thought. And he says, by the way, he's been a Christian for 40 years. He did not start off his Christian life with all that stuff. He kind of grew into it. And he said, you will too. He says, listen, just put all that other stuff aside. Let me give you the, the book of John. Just start off there. Read one chapter a day if you can. If you can't do one chapter, do half a chapter. He says, but read it and put yourself in the place of people that were Jesus was talking to. Just experience Jesus in the scriptures. That's the real reason for reading the word of God. It's to meet God in the lunar's ways. How many times have you read through your quarter of scriptures for the day? Get done and, you, and ten, 10 minutes later you can't remember what you read. Ever had that happen to you? I've had it happen to me several times. I was just getting through the quarter. I was being religious. I was reading my chapters because that's the number of chapters I'm supposed to be reading. Church, don't put a 40-year devotional life on a brand new boot. It's like giving a newborn baby with no teeth a steak in, in a corner on the cob to eat. <laughs> and saying to them, this nourishes me, I think it'll nourish you too. Well, it has the potential to, but they don't have the potential to take in that kind of food. Their little organs won't even digest it correctly. So church, let's make sure we don't try to put things on people that, don't, that Jesus isn't putting on them. Let's make sure that we encourage them in the word of God into a deep relationship with Jesus. And let the, let the one who knows the right spiritual diet for every one of us direct them into how they should live their lives in the word of God and in prayer. The word of God is important. I believe everybody should read it on a consistent basis uh, so that they keep it in context as they read through it. But let God direct you on how that should be done. I met another guy one time while we were itinerating on the mission field and we went to churches. He came up to me and said, I have been faithfully going to church for 17 years and I have never missed a Sunday in 17 years. And I thought, wow, you should get the gold star for church attendance. And he looked at me and he said, there's people in my church that don't go to church regularly. They miss churches and there's no excuse. I said, yeah, there's plenty of excuses. Sometimes they're sick. Sometimes they go on a vacation. Uh, there's all kinds of reasons why people miss church that are legitimate. And he said, no, there's no way. I said, okay. The conversation didn't go any further. I realized it wasn't going to go any further. He was pretty stuck on that viewpoint. But church, this is what we're talking about. Don't we I believe we should be in church. When, we, when, when the doors are open and you can be, you should be in church. I agree with that. Uh, Paul and Curtin says that, or the writer of Hebrews does. So let's... Uh, Let's live our lives in Jesus, but let's be free of the external stuff that, that people try to put on us in following Jesus. Let's just keep a freshness with him.
That's what we're talking about. The second false teacher that we teach and that we see is that Jesus wants to set us free from is the freedom from false spiritual experiences. And this was the mystics of Jesus' day. And the mystics said something like this. True spirituality is advanced by the pursuit of deeper and higher subjective religious experiences which open you up to secret knowledge. So in their thinking, it was faith in Christ because this group did believe in Jesus, but not the Jesus we follow. Plus secret knowledge attained through spiritual experiences. And this is what Paul had to say to them. Do not let, Colossians 2, 18 through 19, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen, spiritual experiences. They are puffed up with the idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Paul warns the church at Colossae this, be on the lookout for two things with this group of false teachers. First of all, false humility. Watch out for false humility. Listen, humility is a good thing. It's a biblical thing. God calls us to walk in humility. True humility in its essence is saying this, seeing yourselves in the light of who we really are. It's seeing ourselves in light of how Jesus sees us. Not having a greater view of ourselves or having a lesser view of ourselves. It's seeing us accurately. The Old Testament Hebrew word for pride was covered with smoke. In other words, we didn't have a clear picture. But in Jesus, we get a clear picture of who we are. And he will elevate us because many of us live with a deflated self-image that has been damaged through relationships in the past. Or he'll bring us down to a level where we understand our dependency fully on him. But false humility is a deception. It's putting on an outward appearance to try and convince people who uh, we are something that we are not. And that's pride. Some people don't realize it because they don't see themselves clearly or they're living in denial, which I did for many years. Sometimes it still creeps up in my life and my wife reminds me who I am and the Lord using her. But with these guys, it was a conscious choice to be deceptive, to look and sound spiritual. They wanted to deceive these people into joining their teaching. And one of the things, one of the real red flags was they worshiped angels. It's a very much a part of the mystic uh, teachings, which is strictly forbidden in scripture. Why on earth would we worship a created being like ourselves instead of the one who created us? Why? Why go there? Why go to the shadow? Why to go to that which is false? Angels are real. We believe in them. The Bible teaches us about angels. We see them throughout scripture bringing messages. We see them ministering to Jesus after his temptations. Uh, they're, they're there and they're working. I'm not sure exactly how because it's not a, there's, a, there's a theology, angelology, but it doesn't give us all the pieces. It just gives us glimpses. And that's what we can work with. But the goal of these people... Uh, was, to, was to disqualify them or, or, or defraud them from their true spiritual prize of having a deep encounter with Jesus 
by offering them a fake spiritual encounter. The main group that perpetuated this teaching in Paul's day were called the Gnostics. And there's a lot to learn about the Gnostics. You can look up uh, in, the, in the internet and find a lot of material about them. Basically, the, the Gnostics, the meaning means knowledge. They believed that the material world was evil and not true, and that true knowledge could only be found in a subjective, deep spiritual experience by mediums like transcendental meditation and other forms of spiritual activity. So the body was evil, only the spirit is good. They also said this, they held that there was a hierarchy of angels between human beings and God, which must be acknowledged along each step of their spiritual experience. And uh, once that took place, uh, he said that we all begin uh, in, in, in virtual ignorance of our knowledge, but that is increased with such contact with the angels until at last one enters into the fullness of understanding of the oneness of all things. Does that sound familiar? It should because it's still here today. The ancient heresy is known today as the New Age movement or mystical, spiritual, uh, mystical Eastern religions. Uh, and they say this, excuse me, uh, in which the inheritance, inheritance uh, inherit, inherits, seek the true oneness of things because we are all part of the universe of created material and are united in oneness with God. They believe in God, they tell you that they believe in God, but it's not the God of the Bible. You have to go from one spiritual experience to the next one, new knowledge upon new knowledge, until you reach a place of just being one with God. You don't need that church. When you invite Jesus Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit comes into our spirits, and he lives in our spirit with us. There's a oneness that's much greater than what they're talking about. We're connected to, to Jesus Christ by our spirit. And here's the key point here in verse 19. They have lost connection with the head, who is Jesus. And that's, that's concerning because it implies that these teachers at one time had a connection. But they chose to move in this direction. That's a warning for all of us. Because they are not connected to Jesus, they are, neither, they are not connected to his body as well. They are self-appointed spiritual guides. Listen, I was at a conference a few years ago, and I met a woman who came up to me and said, um, we were talking together, and she introduced herself, and she says, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a prophetess of God. And I said, really? Prophetess of God? Uh, tell me about that. How does that work? And she says, well, people come to me with their problems and their difficulties and their questions and their concerns about life, and we have, a, we, we have meditational prayer, and then God speaks to me, gives me a prophetic word for them, and I give that word to them. And I said, wow. I said, how, how do you authenticate that that's from, from God? What source do you use to, to know that's from God? She says, oh, I've been doing this a long time, and it always is God. I've been doing this since I was a little girl. My grandmother did it too, and I really learned a lot from her. And I said, well, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to measure everything through the word of God. And she says, no, my, my prophecies are greater than the word of God. Prophetess of God, she says. And people were being persuaded by that. And so I, my next question was, tell me about how you came into relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior, Lord. And she says, you know, I really have to go. 
And she left. She was masquerading as a prophet in a Christian conference at a huge Christian church that I was at. Be careful, church. Be careful of seeking out quick and easy spiritual experiences instead of doing the hard work of building a lasting relationship and deep relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the solid truth that we build our lives upon. Now, conferences can be good, going to places that we believe in the spiritual gifts, that words can come from God as they have this morning. And they can speak to us from God's word, but really, people, no matter what our gifts are, we are still fallible. Even in our gifts, we can be fallible. But the word of God in Jesus Christ never is. And that's what we measure everything to and by. The last thing that we talk about here, listen, the devil will give you spiritual experiences. But he also comes to steal. But they will be fake. They won't be real. The last group that we talk about that Jesus calls us to freedom is the freedom from man-made rules. In the church of Colossae, this is what he has to say about this. Since you died with Christ to the elementary spiritual forces of this world, why as though you still belong to the world do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not touch, do not, do not taste. These rules which have to do with uh, things that are destined to perish with use are based only on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. The philosophy that he's speaking to is asceticism. And asceticism says this, true spirituality is achieved by extreme self-denial. It was part of the Gnostic teaching Faith in Christ plus adherence to man-made rules. He speaks about the elementary spiritual forces, uh, and what he's speaking about is false worldly religious elemental teachings by men. See, this group was an offshoot of the, of the Gnostics, and they said that because the body is evil, so the, the body is evil, so the more you deny your body of natural needs and pleasures, the more spiritual you are. And so this group. Tried to, they lived in communes. They, they tried to separate themselves from everybody else in the world so they could live in these spiritual communes, as they called them. They observed hours of silence. They would avoid physical contact by secluding themselves in rooms for days and weeks and months on end to have these spiritual encounters with God. Living in caves at times and even holes in the ground but Paul says a few things about this way of thinking. He says, first of all, in Jesus, you died to this way of thinking. We are dead to these things, church, in any teaching by men. Any teaching that's religious, it sounds good, it sounds like it, like it fits, but really in reality, it's false. Anything that would add to Jesus. And they're saying, listen, if you really want to be spiritual, boy, you've got to deny everything. God does call us at times to deny our bodies in fasting. We believe in fasting, but it's just for a time, and once you're finished, get back to normal life. He tells us to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him, but the denial he's speaking about is our cardinal, selfish, prideful flesh. That's what we die to. 
And that's what we deny. Or we don't, don't deny the, the world that God's built around us. He gave us this world for pleasure, for joy, enjoyment, as well as relationships, godly, healthy relationships. I like food, but food can become a god, can't it? It can become an idol that was spoken about. Anything can be if we give it too much attention. But this is what these people were doing. Second thing he says that whatever gain you may receive is only temporary because all the things that he's talking about are going to perish. Food's going to perish. Water's going to perish. This world's going to perish. We're going to perish. These bodies we live in, we're going to get new ones. He also said that it's based on human commands instead of in wisdom, instead of the one who holds all wisdom and all knowledge, Jesus Christ. Why do we, why do we go to somebody that's got temporal knowledge in limited wisdom, when we can be in relationship with the one that has it all. Because that's what God's calling us to. And he also said that there's no value in restraining sensual or fleshly indulgence. They don't have a power to do that. Even if you deny your bodies, he said these guys still crave for this stuff. Because you can't become holy by living in a hole. You can't become holy by having a bunch of do's and don'ts in your life. There are things that God says no to because, they're, they're, as Chuck talked about last week, they're boundaries of love. Don't, cross, don't jump over that fence because there's something on the other side that's not going to be good for you. It's a bull. And there's something worse than a bull than, than breaking God's laws. His laws weren't meant to be restrictive. They were meant to be boundaries of love. And when we step into those laws... They produce life in us through the power and the, and the anointing of Jesus Christ in our lives. So church, it's not Jesus plus the Old Testament law. It's not Jesus plus a mystical experience. It's not Jesus plus human rules. It's not Jesus plus anything. I love the quote Pastor Chuck gave us last week. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Isn't that great? Now, he has, we hold on to the things he has given us. He has given us his word. Praise God for that. That is, that is the foundation of our lives. He has given us the church, God's people, filled with the spirit of God like each one of us, coming together, being bricks in that building, and growing together in him. But those are what he's given us. We don't have to look to what the world wants to give us. We need to look what Jesus will give us. And so it's Jesus plus Jesus, it's Jesus plus the church, it's Jesus plus his word. But these are all part of who Jesus is. It's his word. Okay, Pastor Dave, if you come up and be with us. Let me conclude with three problems and one solution. Here's the three problems with these things we just talked about, plus anything else that's out there from the world. Anything that man would say to us, this is what you really need to be fulfilled in life. And that, that doesn't always mean spiritual falsehoods. It could be money. It could be fame. It could be success at work. It could be sports. It could be anything, guys. Anything can be a, a substitute for Jesus Christ in our life. It doesn't mean all of them are sinful. It just means what place do they have in our hearts? Where do we go for our, our comfort? Where do we go for our building up of our lives? Where do we go for joy? Where do we go for peace? How do we find it? 
here's the three problems. All that these people talked about were things that could be accomplished just by humans. At least that's how they do it, by themselves. Jesus really isn't in the equation even though they say he is. It's by themselves. And we can accomplish a lot by ourselves, Jesus, but there are things we will never be able to accomplish. All the things we've talked about that God wants to bring us into. Second thing, none of these these things were measured to an objective standard of truth. How do we know that what we're living is true? How do we know that what we are obeying, what we're giving our lives to is true? Well, we have the Bible, God's word. As believers, that's what we have. We can measure it next to that. These groups didn't have that. Third point, none of these things could produce godly, permanent change. I had the privilege of working with Teen Challenge for 20 years in Lithuania. We helped initiate the ministry of Teen Challenge in that country. And then I've had the privilege of being the pastor with with Sudbury Recovery over the years here at Northville. And we get people all the time that have come from other groups. They've tried all kinds of things. Usually in Lithuania, they didn't come to us until we were the last resort. They tried government programs. And the one defining factor that was different than all the other programs was Jesus Christ. The power of God to transform our lives. In fact, Peter says that when he says that his divine power gives us everything we need to live godly. So why do we look for something else? Let's give our lives and our fullness to him. We can enjoy the world we live in. He's given to us to enjoy. But let's let's make sure that our true source of joy in life is him. And that's why our devotional lives are important. That's why reading the Bible is important. Not because it's law. Not because I want to read a quota. Because I want to meet God in the scriptures. I want to fellowship with Jesus and his word. And when I come to prayer, it could be 15 minutes. It could be two hours. And anything in between, maybe even longer. We just want to meet with him and let him minister his life to us. The solution, talked about three problems. The solution we found in verse 17, where Paul says to the Colossians, the reality is found in Christ. That's the reality. That's the reality. That's the reality. Let's stick to the reality, church. Let's don't be persuaded by arguments false philosophies, even false spiritual teachings of the Christian church that oftentimes try to lead us away from devotion and completeness in Him. And they're out there, and we're going to see more in the last days. They're going to come up with new stuff. The devil's always trying to come up with new stuff. So we're going to see new things, and don't run to this or that until you've really checked it out and know that that's really from Jesus. And then it can be of great benefit to your lives. Let's stick with Jesus stick with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've given your life to a lot of other things, some of the things we've talked about maybe, or even other things, where you're trying to find fullness of life. You're trying to find joy and peace in your life. You're trying to be set free from some of the things that were controlling you, and you realize that they're controlling you. And you realize that they were giving you death, not life. But you've never come to this true source of life. 
Jesus said, you will know my truth and the truth will set you free. If you want life, it's going to be found in him. I came, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it in its abundance. That's what Jesus has for every one of us. So friends, if you're here this morning, I'm going to ask everybody just to bow their heads. If you're here this morning and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior, Lord, there's no better time than right now. God's speaking to your heart. You said something stirring. You know it's Jesus speaking to you and he's inviting you to come into a relationship with him because that's where life is going to be found. If you'd like to do that this morning, we will pray with you and help you step into a relationship with God. If that's for you this morning, I'd like you just to raise your hand so I can see it. I'm going to start on your right aisle to your right, far right. We're going to move to the next aisle. If you need to invite Jesus Christ into your life, you've never done that, but you would like to this morning. Okay, I'm going to the, moving to your left, center aisle. Anybody in this room? Last aisle on the left. Okay, how about in the balcony? Anybody up there? Okay. For the rest of us, church, let's just be on the guard. Let's watch how the enemy is trying to persuade us often away from Jesus to other things. They can be simple things. They can be non-sinful non things. But again, it's the attention that we're giving it. It's time spent there instead of really time spent with the one who can only give us the right foundation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. We thank you for the book of Colossians. Thank you for the words that you spoke through the Apostle Paul and how he built this church, this brand new group of believers, and built them into spiritual people by the focus which is only on the, our Jesus who is supreme over everything else. And so, Lord, we want to just be reminded that that's where our lives belong. Every day, the time is spent every day, not as a legalistic thing, but because we realize that's where life is to be found. So that we can spend every day in time with you. And that the time factor isn't the important issue. It's that we meet you in our time, in your word and in prayer, in fellowship with you. And that becomes a part of our life daily, throughout the day. We're just allowing you to be a part of our day. Because you want to be. You are with us. You're living inside of us. So, Lord, help us to learn how to give you greater access throughout the day. And in every situation that you would remind us, Holy Spirit, where life is really at. We just need Jesus. And we thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, have a good week in Jesus. Just walk with him. And listen, by the way, one announcement I forgot to add in here this morning is that this Sunday coming up, we're going to have a luncheon. We want everybody to attend. But we need help with setup on Saturday afternoon. And we need to set up tables and decorations. So we really need some muscle. So we need some men. And we need some ladies. And on, in the kitchen, we've got a great person that will be leading you. Uh, she's really, really anointed in this area. So we won't have to learn anything. But we need people in the kitchen that will help put food together and set them on the tables and serve. And then for cleanup afterwards. And I'm not going to ask for volunteers. You know why? 
because I don't believe in volunteers in the church. I believe in serving, servers, servants of Jesus Christ. So just, if you, if you want to serve today in that capacity, we would really use you. That's not a guilt trip. If you've got other things you're doing and you have to leave right after church, we understand that, or Saturday afternoon. But if you can serve, we could really use you. So let's all be servants to, to our new pastor coming in. It's going to be an exciting Sunday. Pastor Brooks is coming in to do the installation, and he'll be preaching. Won't it be fun to have Pastor Brooks back and share the word of God with us again? Uh, we love you people. This is such a great church. And it really has been our privilege. Chuck, Chuck, James, others that are here. It really has been our privilege to, to, to fill the pulpit for this time frame. We're happy to turn it over to Pastor Ben Bellini. We still like to preach, but we're glad that our, that our head pastor's coming back. We'll get back to our responsibilities that we were doing. We're not going anywhere. We'll be around, but it's going to be good to have our new, our new lead pastor, and we're looking forward to where God's going to take us next. God bless you. Have a good day. We'll see you next Sunday.